All right, fired up on these Tuesday Get Up Live from the Seaport, brought to you by Chase. Squad is ready to go. We're still recovering from P.K. Subban and the hockey pancakes. Jeff will have some from the world of football coming up. Meanwhile, we have two breaking stories this morning from the NFL. Neither one of them is good. Let's start in Miami. Devon Achan, who has been just spectacular as a rookie, averaging 12 yards a carry is now, according to Shefty, expected to miss multiple weeks with a knee injury. He's a candidate for IR. Clearly, their offense is deep enough to withstand that, but it's a tough loss. Meanwhile, on the flip side, Minnesota is going to be, without Justin Jefferson, probably the best receiver in the NFL for at least four weeks. He is going on IR with a hamstring injury. That's a team that could certainly not afford anything being taken away from them as their season already teeters on the brink. And, Dan, it does raise the question. With the Viking season slipping away and their quarterback having no guaranteed money after this season, becoming a free agent at the end of this season, is it realistic to think teams will be calling and the Vikings will be considering trading Kirk Cousins? It's realistic to think that that teams will be calling. We don't know if it's something the Vikings will consider. There's no indication that they would at this point. Kirk Cousins would get a say in this as well because he has a no-trade clause. So it's and, and you don't generally see starting quarterbacks traded in midseason. You know, right. They have to go. They have to learn the new offense. It's not a it's not a deal that that is commonly made. So I would say the odds are strongly against it, but that is not going to keep teams from calling. Why, Greeny? Do you have a team in mind? Well, well, I mean, there was a moment in time when I was saying the Jets needed desperately to do it. That, that has been calmed down in my own mind, at least a little bit, by how much better. Zach Wilson has looked. Against Kansas City, he looked markedly better. This past Sunday, he looked at least a little better than yeah. he did yeah. previously. So I don't know. I don't know if it's realistic or not. I just wonder if it yeah. is something that people will consider. The Jets might not be the only team that theoretically yeah. could consider it. I mean, I guess other teams could consider it, but the Jets are the only team that I think believes that they go from being maybe missing the playoffs to being a legitimate contender with a change at quarterback. I don't know if it's that quarterback, but the point you made about trading a starting quarterback, you made it from the perspective of the team receiving him. Yes. I can't imagine being on a team having your starting quarterback being traded away. It's really hard for the coaches and the players and everybody else to show up to work that following Monday and not feel like this that we've been giving up on. Unless you have, like, it's not like Steve Young sitting in the back. That's what I'm saying, right? If you had some, some great quarterback prospect that you thought was going to be ready next year, right? If you're, if you're like the Giants benching Kurt Warner to play Eli Manning, right? Like, but the Vikings don't have that guy in their building. They would be starting from scratch at the position next offseason or earlier if they did something like that. All right, so speaking of teams that had guys sitting on their bench, ready to go, ready to usher in the future, that brings us to Monday Night Football last night. In Vegas, the Raiders and the Packers, and that meant Jordan Love, and it meant Devontae Adams, the former Packer. A nice uh, moment there with his former coach, Matt LaFleur. Now, four minutes to go in the second quarter. Raiders down 3-0, but not for long. Jacoby Myers. Oh, yeah, great play in the red zone right there. Get into a playmaker, get it across the line. 7-3 Raiders. Jordan Love's got some splaining to do. Robert Spillane. Yeah, that play makes no sense to me from Jordan Love's perspective. There is really no reason to throw that pass, but good catch, Spillane. One of two picks for that guy. Raiders kick a field goal. They're up 10-3 at halftime. Third quarter, Jimmy Garoppolo throws a pick every week. Jeff, here's this one. Watch what I can do, too. Oh, that's the wrong color helmet as well. Three yellow helmets around. I'm not sure what they're looking at. Quarterbacks are blind out there in Vegas. Rudy Ford with the pick, and it sets up Quadzilla. Ooh, getting back to real football, Greedy. That's what I'm talking about. Push your thing in. Packers tied to 10. It wasn't an artistic masterpiece last night, but it was close. Now here's Love. Now here's Christian Watson open down the field. Athletic play by Love. Find a wide open Watson. 
Watson, good move right here, you but you gotta finish this. The red zone is the toughest place to make plays. Well, they grabbed him by the horse cock. Yeah, giving him a hard time. Four points. But they do not score the touchdown. They only want up the field goal, and that's critical. Josh Jacobs. Nasty move on Alexander right there. Playing him, got around to go get that first down. Jake's is balling out there. Riding Josh Jacobs right now. Devontae Adams, a fairly quiet night against his four team. He had, uh, or his former team, excuse me, four catches last night, but that's a big one to put them in the scoring area, and it's Jacobs who takes it in. Finish it. Look at that. Get it. Get touched at the goal line. That's what you're talking about. Well, right. play right. 17-13, final minute, final chance, Green Bay, third and ten. Jordan Love brought him back in that recent game. Could he do it again? Yeah, he looks athletic, kind of like that big play he made to Watson earlier, but it's uh, a bit of an underthrow. Outstanding athletic play by the cornerback Robertson. Look at this. Amik Robertson. The game ceiling play. Interception. Love, 16 of 30, 182. Three interceptions. Raiders win one you didn't see coming. Jordan, what? We just, we didn't do enough. Um, You know, I didn't do enough. Um, and, you know, obviously it's a lot of good stuff to learn from. Um, but, you know, it, it's tough because we had the opportunities to go win it um, and we couldn't do it. Yeah, I think at this point it's pretty obvious that the defense has to not give up any touchdowns, you know. I think that's a part of being self-critical of our defense because, you know, the offense is pretty young, you know, and they're still figuring out their mojo. So, you know, it, the defense, we got to, you know, we got to be the ones to score and stop them from scoring. That's an interesting comment from him. You know, Jordan Love, look, he's just struggled. He's thrown five picks in his last two games on throws five or more yards downfield. Yesterday he completed four and had three of them picked off. A very tough day for him. But when you hear, Dominique, as a defensive player, you basically hear one of the defensive stars saying, we need to be perfect to win. What is that? They gave up 17 points last night. They didn't play a bad game defensively at all. You should win a game like that. So when you hear him saying that, what does that tell you? That's called leadership. I mean, it's on the defensive. Like, that's what you do, especially when you're one of the veterans. You're one of the best players on the team in Jair Alexander. That's what you say. Saying that the offense has to play better, they know that. But we are in a situation where the toughest thing about watching that game was it felt like they were trying to protect Jordan Love from making mistakes. That's right. But they still couldn't stop him from turning the ball over three times. So from a defensive side, that's stressful. Like, please, put up numbers. If you're going to turn the ball over, put up some numbers for us to defend. There's a part of me, speaking of defending, that wants to defend Jordan Love because I think of him as a rookie. But you made the very good point earlier. I shouldn't do that. He's not a rookie. Like, he got all the um, time to sit behind Aaron Rodgers that we hope that most quarterbacks get. He should not be making these type of mistakes at this point in his career. I do think there's something to be said for the idea of everyone he's – literally everyone he's throwing to is a rookie or a second-year player, right? The running backs have a little more experience, but the receivers and the tight ends are all young around a young quarterback. And I think that's what Jair Alexander is getting at. Look, over the last three games – that offense has had one good quarter. It was the fourth quarter against the Saints where they yeah. came back and won that game. And they, they thought they would build on that. They were I was at that game. They were so fired up about Jordan Love and the way he led them back in that game. Then they fall flat four days later against the Lions, and then they fall flat 11 days later against the Raiders. Obviously, it's a reminder that progress is not always linear. I think this looked like their game plan. I mean, you know, whatever, yes. whatever this this was like what they went and they went in with a mindset. We're going to go, you know, ground and pound against the Raiders. We're going to make we're going to our run game. Obviously, Aaron Jones not playing was a huge uh, setback for that. Dylan comes in and does, you know, he, he plays okay. He's good. Yeah, but I mean, that looked like what they were trying to do. And if you're going to play a throttled down offense, it's yeah. kind of what your point was. If you're going to try to protect the quarterback. 
then you're going to have to be more efficient in those, and your quarterback has to truly protect the ball. I'm with you. I think you've got to take, kind of take the gloves off with Jordan Love. Push the ball down the field. You have these big receivers. Go make plays. But the other side of that is Watson has to – like Watson's got to convert that catch to a touchdown, right? you got to go score. It, it, the, the one at the interception, come back for that ball. You're a foot taller than that guy. And, again, you see the ball in the air. At some point, you got to play – maybe you get a pass interference. But all of those things – to Dan's point, are rookie or second-year player-type mistakes, right? They haven't done it enough. They have to do it together. But those plays will be monumental for Jordan Love in the progression we all think he's making by those guys making those plays. That game plan looked like they wanted to win the game 17-13. That's right. Instead, they lose it 17-13 because he throws three picks. They were still in the game with three interceptions, and I think Jeff's point is a big one, is they need a little bit more support from somewhere. If it's not going to come from Jordan Love, somebody else has to make that play. So it speaks to how bad the Raiders are. And somehow they're 2-3, and which is remarkable. Okay, the game of the night actually was not from the NFL. The game of the night came in Atlanta, the hometown of one Jeffrey Saturday. You know this! Braves and Phillies. Braves need one desperately. Down 1-0 in the series. Bottom eight. Braves down 4-3. One on, two out. Hit it! Riley in the air to left field. On the run, Marsh! There it goes! Austin Riley has given the Braves the lead in the eighth! The Braves had been down four runs. They rallied to take a 5-4 lead, so they're fired up. And you think to yourself, it couldn't possibly finish in any more spectacular fashion than that. Watch this. Bryce Harper at first. One out. Fills down a run. Ninth inning. He deals a 2-2. Castellanos in the air to right center field. Harris is on the run. Harris at the track. He leaps. And he makes the catch. Harper might be doubled up. The throw gets away. The throw to first. It's over. It's over. Harper never tagged. He couldn't get back. And it's a double up to end game two. Wow. Jeff said, where the heck is Bryce Harper going? Baseball's amazing, man. Like, he even missed the cutoff man, and they still they still got it. You went from tying the game to being tied in the series in, in two seconds. How that good is, is that, man? How it, good is that? I mean, Jeff loves it. Again, that, yeah. Bryce Harper, there was, there was literally no reason for him to be where he was when he was there. In the meantime, the Braves rally all the way back. They win it. Entering last night, they were 1-48 in, in postseason history when trailing by four runs at any point in a game. Now that series all knotted up, two game, or excuse me, one game apiece headed to game three in Philly tomorrow. Coming up, the disaster for Dak in San Francisco. What does it mean for his future? Are the Cowboys going to be thinking differently? We're talking about it coming up. Plus, who saw this coming? The Steelers are in first? Could Mike Tomlin Tomlin their way all the way to a division? It's a verb now. They're Tomlining. It could happen. They're Tomlining. We'll be right back. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. 
So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Back on Get Up. Time for the game that is sweeping the nation. It's called Fact or Fiction. Jeff, if I said the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to make the playoffs, is that fact or fiction? Oh, I'm going fiction, and I know I'm going to catch all kinds of agree. How they won against the Ravens, I have no idea. A bunch of drops, obviously, by the Ravens, but somehow this team is finding ways to win. I just do not think offensively they can stay in this for the entirety of the season. I think the Bengals make a big run back, and the Ravens will get get it back on the right track. Somehow the Steelers are tomlining their way all the way to three and two. Let's stay in the division. Neek. Fact or fiction, the Ravens' offense is not any better than it was before. I'm going to say fiction. I get the idea that this offense goes as Lamar goes, but they have say Flowers. So they've added him to this offense. I saw him in the preseason, and he's been doing the same things in the regular season. They've added a really, really talented player. So, yes, offense is better. All right, and then Dan, I'll stay in the division. If I said no team in the NFL had a better weekend than the Cincinnati Bengals, is that fact or fiction? It's a fact because they won to go to two and three. The Ravens lost, so now the first place in that division is three and two, Baltimore and Pittsburgh. So the Bengals are only a game out. And Joe Burrow looked as healthy as he's looked all year. If Joe Burrow's leg is healthy, then the Bengals are right back in this thing and possibly even the favorites. It's a big if, but at least it looked good this week. Interestingly, Vegas has not caught up to that. They still have much longer odds than Baltimore. It's, it's based on the fact that they lost those two division games at right. the beginning. One to Baltimore, sure. But the division did not run away from them. I, right. I think that's the most important part. And if they've got Bur- – did Burrow look to you, that connection with Chase, he is 7-11, he's always open. Are the Bengals, in your view, the team to beat in that division right now? Yeah, I mean, when Chase is playing well and Burrow is healthy, they're the team to beat. But will Burrow be healthy is the next question. And that defense is impressive on, from, on occasion. Like they, We know that their coordinator is great, and we know that they have talent on their defense, but they have not been consistent. So we'll see how healthy Burrow stays through the course of this season because any little thing, one step up in the pocket, one cut, one sack, could set them back. What do you think, Jeffrey? I'm going Bengals as well. And listen, this, this, 
I Bengals, think, team to beat in the division, yes, going Bengals. To, yeah, going Bengals. I just think when you look at Cincinnati, if Burrow and Chase get hot, it opens up all their other receivers are going to get back in the fold. This thing can – they're the most explosive offense by far in this division. And you looked at the – I thought the Ravens would be more – if they catch the ball, maybe we'll have a different conversation. That Listen, that's a big problem. Well, they have eight drops. Eight, yes. eight drops in the end zone. Like That's not, that's not on Lamar. Everybody's like, it goes as yeah. Lamar goes. Lamar can't catch it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a significant issue. And, and drops are killing it, you know? Yeah, we talked about this yesterday. Sal Palantonio had a report. How much a factor this is, who knows? But Rex made a big deal of it. That the, the Ravens practice catching a rugby ball, which is a bigger ball. Really? That, that's what they're doing. It was all in a report on Sunday Countdown. And now you see all these balls going right through their hands. And Rex is suggesting it's because they're trying to catch a bigger ball than what a football is. One way or another... The Ravens have been a bit of a disappointment. They've let two games get away from them, Dan, that they appear to have completely won, including this weekend. You wonder if that comes back to bite them. Of course, but they also do have a couple of of road division wins in their pocket, right? Right. In Cincinnati and Cleveland, and that matters. And and you got to figure they'll start catching the ball. Like, if you told me, what are you more likely to bet on? The, the Ravens receivers learning how to catch or Joe Burrow being healthy all year, I, I think I would probably have to go with the former just because it's football and people get hurt and there's all kinds of things that can go wrong. If you told me Burrow's calf was fine and wasn't going to be a problem the rest of the year, I'd say Bengals all the way, yeah. even though they lost to Baltimore. But I don't think we can count on that. Yeah, Baltimore was impressive in this game. They were much better than the Steelers through the course of the entire game until the end. There's the safety and a bunch yeah. of other mistakes. There's but they still had time. They still had a chance to win. And Lamar has been playing well in this offense. I kind of get the feeling that it doesn't matter the design of the offense. When Lamar's accurately passing the ball, yeah. he's not going to lose his athleticism. There's really no offense that's bad with him. It's, yeah. it's great. I like Zay Flowers. Odell does not look like he's the difference maker that he once was earlier in his career. I don't know. I mean, the Steelers, could they tomble on their way all the way into something? It is crazy know. how they were finding ways to yeah. win. I mean, you how give, are they you three and two? It's unbelievable. I don't know it how really, they've won yeah. any of the yeah. games that they've won. And he stays the course. Too. He's, he's just, yeah. yeah. So Amazing. we all loved Baltimore. We all loved Cincinnati. It begs one interesting question. Through five games, the odds at Caesars to win the AFC are a three-team race. There's the, the, the picks for the AFC North. But the, this is for the odds at Caesars to win the conference. We represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Mm. Kansas City, the defending champs, of course, remain the favorites. You see the two teams from the East sitting there behind them. Baltimore, Cincy, Jacksonville, which looks like it's starting to play a little better. So here's the more interesting question. Who is the biggest threat in your mind right now, Jeff, Saturday to Kansas Ooh. City in the AFC? I'll probably go Miami. And I, and I would just say because of how explosive their offense is and, and as good as I think Kansas City is – they, I don't think they can match point for point, right? I mean, I, I think that becomes the major issue is if Miami finds a way to catch heat, uh, I think Buffalo is streaky. I still think they're a, an excellent football team. I'm not going to take any away from them. But Miami would scare you if they can continue to put this type of pace together. It's tough for teams, and Kansas City's not as explosive on the outside as they once were. Nick, biggest threat to the Chiefs. Yeah, I think the age and the injuries of the Bills is, is concerning for me as we get late in the season. So, I, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Miami because – of that explosive play ability. You know what's interesting? Yeah. We look at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, why? why do Dan and Dominique have the blue yeah. dolphin and Jeff like has the, the white even. dolphin? That's I, I like, I like Jeff's the saying if they're at home, they're yeah, a bigger like, threat. Oh, oh, I, like, I think yeah. the road dolphin, yeah. I like, I like, the, I like the home. And, and, yeah. and I'm once again staying with the Jets. I'm telling you right now, if the Jets keep it to 500 by week 12, Aaron Rodgers is coming, coming back. back. He's coming He's back. Coming back. 
and he's going to come and he's going to do exactly what Brady did. They were 500 Ooh. with like three or four games left in the Ooh. season. His first year in Tampa, they caught fire. He got fire, and the next thing you know, they win the Super Bowl. Brady Aaron had, can do it. Brady had oh. too good Achilles yeah. tendons, how, I think, at that point. Yeah, how are Brady's Achilles? Okay, I'm with you, Greeny. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Well, I'm well telling put. you right now, I'm like, not yeah. giving up. I'm not giving up. The odds are getting longer. It's, no a, it's an to opportunity up. to buy low and sell high. <laughs> <laughs> it's also an opportunity to buy low and sell lower. Super high. <laughs> we'll see what winds up happening. Okay, meanwhile, you know what we got to uh. see last night? The first opportunity to watch the big baguette, Victor Wimbanyama. Oh, facing off against Chet Holmgren. So there's an interesting matchup. Guys, just feast your eyes. This is unbelievable. Oh, my word. Wow. Flex is the muscles. Sack of blood. Wow. <laughs> look at the, look at him here on the defense. And, and now we're running into offense. Throwing it down. A lot of gawky. He literally was above, like, way above. I'm just saying anything French I can think of. Watch this one. Croque, monsieur. Oui, oui. Bonbons and all that good stuff. Anything you want. Wow. Sancerre. Anything French you can think of to say. He's ridiculously athletic, right? Ooh, Even Jeff is impressed. I, I, I admit it. I was very impressed. That was 20 crazy. points in 19 minutes for the big baguette. Thunder win the game, though, which obviously doesn't mean anything at all. Coming up, the D in Big D stands for Doubting Dakota. Is it time to accept this just isn't going to get better? And if so, what does that mean? We'll talk about that. Plus, we can't wait for this. It's Tuesday. We got him from hockey. Jeff is serving up the football pancakes. In just a moment, don't miss it. You know it's your favorite time of the week. And speaking of everybody's favorite, let's go, Graziano. Hembo is ready for you. Where is Who it? is the winningest quarterback in NFL history that has never started in a conference championship Ooh. game? Fascinating that question. Is Answers next. All right, we are back. Uh, Sneaky Hembo is not here today. He's home with a sick child, either Michelle or the other one. Uh, in the meantime, he's got sick, the question man. today. Dakota Rain Prescott uh, is going to be one of our topics. Yes. We know he has never started a conference championship game. The question is, who is the winningest quarterback ever that never started in a conference championship game? So I'm guessing it's not Dak Prescott or else. Like, I wouldn't that. have said Dak Prescott. Yeah, that's was what I'm thinking. He so. is, in fact, 11th. Couple of, a couple of guys I thought of, like uh, Testaverde, but he played in one, right, for the, for the Jets. Jets. And Drew Bledsoe was another, but he got to the Super Bowl one year with the Patriots. So uh, it's a tough one. I think the guy that comes to mind when you talk about winning a lot of games, and he's been the answer a couple times, is, is Warren Moon. I don't think Warren Moon ever did it, right? Oh, because my the God, Bills that's right. Was a big, a big <laughs> I, I can't believe it. Let's I cannot go, believe you got that right. How about that? I'm telling you right now, he, I never heard that name said in this room at all. Brandon said Fouts. That was not, but I don't know. Did it's Warren Moon. No, then it's Jim Hart, then Andy Dalton, Joe Ferguson, and Tony Romo. That's it. That is it. Wow. But it's Moon by a mile, though. Jim yeah. Hart is 15 behind him. Moon so. by a mile. Yeah. That is wow. unbelievable. 102 wins, 25 to 10. Hembo not even here and just getting smoked like a cigar. All right, well done. Gross, that was a miracle pull. <laughs> Neek, on to the next minor of business. Let's go back to the good, the bad, and the ugly from week five. Dominique, tell me something good you saw. Oh, the return of Burrow to Chase, man. 
man. Ooh. This connection has been as incredible as anything we've seen in this league in a long time. We missed it for a few weeks, but it's back. It's good for, for us as fans. It's bad for the rest of the players in that division. 7-11. He is legitimately always open. So that was good. Jeff, tell me something you saw that was bad. New York Giants offensive line. Oh, yeah. This is awful. I think they gave up 16 or 17 sacks in the two weeks. I went good seasons. We didn't give up that many sacks. And listen, everybody's going to blast Jones on accuracy, on, on where he's putting the ball, holding it, security, all the Bo, he needs new security yeah, in a yeah. big way. This all is right. as ugly as it gets you. There's no way you can help yourself if you're Daniel Jones with all the stuff coming at him. No, they're, the Giants oh, wow. are terrible. Uh, Graz, something ugly. The Cowboys, man. I mean, this was terrible. Two penalties on the first drive. I knew they were in trouble right then. They even had a penalty on the extra point attempt at the end of that drive. Didn't set them up well. I don't know what Dak Prescott's doing on that play, throwing it downfield into double coverage. It just a, it was a mess. And this is the 49ers make a lot of teams look bad, but this is the team, if you're the Cowboys, you got to show something against, and they showed nothing. Yeah, this was a measuring stick game, and we all saw where they measured up. We also all know that our friend Mr. Stephen A. enjoys a good Cowboys loss as much as anybody. <laughs> but yesterday he took a more serious note, sensing the end is near for Dak Prescott in Dallas. If you're Jerry Jones and the Cowboys, you got to make a decision. And do you want to commit to him long term at a heftier price when the man hasn't gotten it done? You're not going to do that. This is it for me as far as I'm concerned. Unless Dak Prescott took them to the NFC Championship, takes them to the NFC Championship game or the Super Bowl, which we know ain't going to happen. The bottom line is I think this is it for Dak Prescott. I think this is last year in Dallas. There's nothing better than getting serious commentary for a man in a cowboy hat and a Michael Irvin jersey, but he's making a good point. The The shades. Are we seeing? Look. Dak Prescott is unquestionably not, to use Stephen A's terminology, he's not a scrub, right? That He's not. No. But the question is, has he taken them as far as he's going to take them, and do they need to consider going in a new direction next year? Jeff. Absolutely not. You're not going a new – who are you going to go get? This guy, you Lance? win NFL games with a quarterback like this. You're going to go pick somebody. You're going to go draft one. You're going to do. At the end of the day, their team got dismantled. They got physically beaten on both sides of the football. The 49ers are a better football team than the Cowboys and played an exceptional football game. The Cowboys are in fear and didn't play as well. But the score gets out of hand. It snowballs. All of a sudden, we're going to get rid of Dak Prescott. Good luck going to replace him. The guy, it's not. Listen, Dak did not play well. This loss was not on Dak. That defense for the 49ers had something to do with it and the offense as well. That's fair. But the the choice is not to cut Dak Prescott or keep him. The choice is to pay him top-of-the-market quarterback money because that's what we would assume he's going to want, and we know where that is. That gets into the 50-something million dollar a year range. So all of a sudden, when you factor that in, what does it mean? Yeah, so I think that Dak Prescott is not going to be Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. If you think that you can find that, Yeah, move on from Dak Prescott. The fact of the matter is most quarterbacks in the NFL are made much better by what you do for them and what you do around them. There's only a couple of them alive that can make everything else around them better. So I think that while Jerry Jones, we like to laugh at him and think he's a little bit of a loose cannon, he does not make rash decisions like this. And he's smart enough to know that if you are going to move on from Dak Prescott, maybe you do it if you don't have a championship-level roster. Or you don't feel like you have what it is, what you what it takes to move forward. I think they believe 
that the issues that they have are issues that they can solve. They're yeah. not going to solve them by turning to Cooper Rush or Trey Lance or crossing your fingers and hoping you find you get lucky in the draft. So I understand, Dan, there's plenty of criticism that Dak deserves. But then what do you do next? Problem is it's not a binary choice, right? It's not like the Seahawks last year said, uh, do we want Russell Wilson or not? It, was, it wasn't that. It was, do we feel comfortable paying Russell Wilson what he's going to want on his next contract? And the answer turned out to be no, so they traded him. So Dak Prescott, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to talk about extending him next offseason. And if you're the Cowboys and you say to yourself, he, he's going to want $55 million because that's where the top of the market is, do we want to do that? How many guys, how many quarterbacks have made their first conference championship game in year eight or later with the same team? Like, nobody. Like, you're at a point now where you have the right, if you're the Cowboys, to say he may not be able to get us where we need to go. And if they make that decision, mm. then, yes, you move on. What are your options in free agency? What are your options in the draft? I'm not saying they'll do it, but I think it's, it's a conversation that they will have when it comes time to negotiate with him again. Because remember, the last time they negotiated a contract with him, it was not easy. So what, why does... Just, I mean, it feels so rash and panicky because the question... But how the is question, it after eight so years? So you're saying, you're saying it's not a binary choice when it obviously is a binary choice. It's you not. either sign him or you don't sign him. That's binary. Yes or no. So you bring him back. I guess the question for me is, do you believe that you can get better elsewhere? Right. That, okay. that is the question. Well, you can get, my answer but is, you can get a lot cheaper is the point. So are you going to spend $55 million oh, on a guy who's not taking you to listen, the promise? You're going to have to pay Michael Parsons mid-30s, right? You're going to have to pay C.D. Lamb. Like- if, if he is mediocre and you have to pay $40 million to have a mediocre or $50 million to have a mediocre quarterback, you have a chance in the NFL. Right. You know what most quarterbacks are? Bad. Right. And you know, I, matter, I, no I matter how you. much you surround them with talent, right. they are bad. You're so winning I think, in spite of them. I think that but, you have a better chance of winning and in, in finding uh, – advantages through the draft at other positions than you do of getting lucky at quarterback. I would rather overpay a mediocre quarterback than underpay or than get off cheap for with a really bad quarterback. We stand no chance. But think about Jerry Jones and how he views the world, right? He found this guy in the fourth round. He found his predecessor undrafted. Like, Jerry Jones thinks that you can find a quarterback, a top quarterback, later than the first round of the the draft. The thing was, Dak was on the team. He didn't, he didn't move on from Tony Romo when he didn't have – because you could have made the same criticism of Tony Romo. And he didn't move on from Tony Romo until Tony Romo got hurt and Dak demonstrated that he can do it. It was a rookie. I know, but he demonstrated that he can do it. You're, yeah. the, the vision of Jerry Jones that you're making is like someone who's just like, oh, this ain't working. Throw it out. No, that's not him. No, 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 no. My point is, like, I think, he, I, I think he thinks he can find the replacement because he has a history of doing it without the high-end resources. I'm not saying he's right. Okay, I'm so saying that's keep probably – Keep drafting guys in the third and fourth round until you see them do it in practice, then move on. They have not demonstrated that they can do that. They have a guy who was the third pick in the draft not that long ago. Oh, I mean, I, I, oh, I'm not oh, sure oh, whether oh, Still don't know if he got there. I'm being told, by the way, that Jerry just did his radio interview and Uh that there is a comment that I will be interested in reading to you. I'm reading this directly on 105.3 The Fan on Dallas bouncing back from the loss. Quote, make no mistake about it. We have a quarterback that can get us there. Yep. That is a direct quote from Jerry Jones. Exactly. Agents writing that down. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever whatever it is we think, uh, that's what the the owner is saying, at least for the moment, that he thinks. Okay, you know what I think? What do you think? I think we all need some pancakes. Here we go. Pancakes is one of our favorite things. So let me show you how we're going to get this thing started. We're 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 back, back, baby. baby. Don't throw me. Don't throw me. Oh, (laughs) God. Get some. Light them blue. That's how we start this off. Let's go. 
<laughs> it's a thing of beauty. You can't stop us. Dominique Foxworth just spanked pancakes on get up. We are back. You got to love that. All right, we had hockey pancakes Ooh, okay. earlier this morning. I was time for the Graziano's fired up. Let's go. Nick has got the hot cake. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's get this thing going. We're starting in Chi-Town on Thursday night. Oh. Here's what we got. Watch the counter tray. We're going to get Kit a wrap. Get no. some. Get some, little man. Get some, little man. Oh. Trying to feel it. Nope. Look, at my favorite part, it didn't even slow him down, bro. <laughs> yeah, it, was like a speed bump. it was a speed bump. Drop get it up in there. Drop it. Oh. Hey, Who else can I hit? He gave a little clothesline in there, too. Darnell Wright, I love it. That's one pancake big <laughs> one. Love the counter tray action. Oh. That is nastiness. You got to give a And hey, how about Chicago getting the win? Yeah. Why is Justin Fields playing better all of a sudden? Well, I mean, like here we go. Uh, I, usually don't put, I usually don't put a team that loses as bad as they did on this. Oh. This is number 63. Ooh, get a couple. And number, in, in, your, in your book, number one in your heart. Watch <laughs> this play. He gets two. Going to get one right here. Find one. Get him. Find his buddy. Get him two. Get him both. Both them little dudes try to get out of the way. This little guy, I absolutely love the speed. Look at the athleticism. Get some little man. Oh, that's a backer, too. Oh, Put him down. Yeah. Then he gets his buddy up there. Got to get two pancakes. The team did not do so well. He did do well. Andy's wearing number 63. Oh. Feels awfully good. Feels awfully good. I'm not going to lie to you. You got to love this right here. Hog good dude. Hey, Uh-oh. I'm just going to let you know this might be an all-timer. Take him. Hey, oh. take him to the parking lot. It does not get any better than this right here. He literally, Michael Ord, this dude, like movie style, not in real life. He takes this dude over all the advertising. Watch all these people watching. They're like, holy man. He puts that dude up there, puts him out, takes him to the stands near his family. Ad, hey, go ahead and take it. The ad said clear path. Hey, that's an all-timer oh, right there. That's man. an all-timer. That's got to be a fight. Tyler Smith. Tyler Smith name. from the that's Catamount. That's got to be a fight, though, right? Oh, if you're the guy getting put out, yeah. no doubt. You, you get thrown out the club, yeah. go ahead and get ejected. Your teammates have got to fight yeah, for you, you right? To. I mean, you need to, you got to fight for yourself. No First doubt. Of all, you, well, I kind of more little. attention to it. What you do right there is you roll off, try to cover up your numbers so they can't see who you are. Just, don't you like all you come up a little like you like you hurt yeah. a little yeah, bit? Yeah, like, yeah, oh, something yeah, gave. Yeah. Something yeah. gave. Yeah. As I've got a torn pride uh, as we work that way. But all right, the pancake. Exceptional today. Coming up, could the Niners go undefeated? Are they the team to beat, or is it time for the Fly Eagles to fly? We're talking about it next, and we're cleaning up the studio. Get up on. Get up. Oh, oh, yes, man. That's on me. I was just a bad, that was a bad catch. That was a bad catch. There we go. I don't know the question you're trying to ask. You better tomorrow. I'm not answering this. That's a clown question, bro. Next. What's the question? Next. What's the question? What else do you want to know? Next question. 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 That, that's a BS question, man. Answer my question! The question, jerk! That's two new ones. Two new ones. Two coaches getting frustrated. I like it. I like it, too. That's a good job by the staff. Here we go. We got questions, and Dominique Foxworth has answers whether he wants to or not. Let's do this. First, which franchise is in worse shape, the Patriots or the Giants? 
I think it's got to be the Giants. I think the Patriots at least have some history to fall back on, a coach that they trust, even though he's falling off. The, the Giants have a coach of the year, but he got coach of the year because he got the best out of a quarterback that we now don't think is quite that good anymore. O-line with no hope going forward and a defense that's aggressive but not nearly as talented as they need to be to carry this team. It's looked kind of hopeless in New York right now. I'm not sure before the season anyone would have imagined we'd be asking this question, but it's a legitimate. Which is in worse shape? The answer is yes. Uh, next is Buffalo. Which Bills team is closer to the truth? The one that lost to Jacksonville or the one that dominated the Dolphins? Yeah, I think because of injuries, I'm hesitant to go with the one that I want, but I'm going to say the one that beat the Dolphins. I think that team, we know that Josh Allen is so important to this team and he showed even in this game that he has the ability to do amazing things he's been making better decisions one thing was encouraging from this game this man slid he ran out of bounds he threw balls away he seemed to be getting taking care of his biggest problem so as long as he's on track and that other man Stephon Diggs is on track I think this team is closer to a conference champ than they are to a team that loses in London. Allen is unbelievable, but, but, but they have lost Tredavious White yeah, again. and Matt Milano. Yeah. That is a brutal one. Milano, Milano was a big deal in that Dolphins game because he was the guy stopping the runs, and not having him going forward is going to be dangerous. I, I think those are terrible losses. All right, finally, there are two unbeatens left. Who's the best team in football, the Niners or the Eagles? I think we got to go with the Niners. I think the Eagles, given what they've done last year, they deserve our respect. However, if we're going off just what we've seen this year and coming off of this marquee win, I think San Francisco is incredible. And as much credit as we always give Kyle Shanahan, he deserves it. We need to point out what John Lynch has done and how the defense has really been the backbone in this team throughout this whole run. So, yeah, I think it's the 49ers in large part because of that defense. Is there any question about Let me get the guys in here. Graziano and Saturday, jump in here. with. Is there any doubt that the 49ers are the best team? Would You, you were the one who was riding the, the Eagles bandwagon a little bit a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Is there any question San Francisco is the best team in the sport? San Francisco's playing the best right now. I still think the Eagles, as the season progresses, I love the Eagles' offense and defensive line. That matchup could tilt it their way as Jalen Hurts and, this, and, the, and the receivers kind of get back on, on pitch. Remember, it's a new coordinator in Philly, right? Watch, watch Graziano's face when I say this. He hates it when I do this. You know, Graz, that the quarterback has never lost yeah. a start that he finished right. in his entire time there. Mm. Could we be possibly looking at the 49ers putting together a perfect season could San Francisco <laughs> run the table and go unbeaten yeah they got to play the Eagles so that, that's, that's a big correct. one right they can't both go undefeated could the winner tied. of that game go unbeaten this season yeah I think so I mean look the Niners like I, I, look it's not like obviously you would not bet that way it's unlikely the team goes a whole regular season without stumbling at least once you watch them play like I mean 30 points, 30 points, 30 points, 35 points, 42 points. I don't know who's stopping it. They're they're nasty on defense. And Fred Warner is one of the best players in the whole league, right? Like playing a position that nobody pays attention to. I, I it's it's tough for me to see somebody stopping it. Like Seattle, I think is going to be a tough team. They got to play the Eagles, but. I mean, the, the, the reason the Eagles, the argument for the Eagles is the long term because they're much deeper, I think. Like, yeah. they, they are Maybe. deeper at the important positions, and it's football. 
the 49ers, I hate to say it, they're going to lose some players. And it does seem like the catalyst for the strength of this offense is the fact that there is nobody on the field as far as the playmakers are concerned that's not dangerous to take it to, to the crib every time they get it. So once this offense is pared down a little bit, and if Brock Purdy ever makes a mistake, they'll be in some t- tough games. And if they get hurt on the defensive line, there are issues there. Purdy literally hasn't thrown an interception this yep. season. Unbelievable. Rex called him Joe Montana yesterday. It's a bit much. They've got yeah. Debo Samuel. They've got Kittle. They've got McCaffrey. They've yeah. got Ayuk. If those guys stay relatively healthy to your point there's no team in the nfl is going to stay healthy all season long but if generally they are all still standing i'm not sure exactly where it is they lose a game they seem to have that it quality i I will say this i was on a team that we would have got polium sits sits guys i remember it like it was yesterday and i watched the patriots is it possible absolutely this team is loaded up on both sides of the ball they're coached well they're so could they get there the issue is consistency like Throughout the season, how does this thing? And once you get up, and you're, you're you're four or five games in the lead, you know, do you start sitting players? Do you start like all of those? And that was what happened to us. We started to rest players for a Super Bowl run. If you start to do that because guys are banged up, that's real. It's not it's not if they were fully charged going all the way, you would bet against them. It's what the kind of decisions. Quick they final thought. I think and watch out for this team that knows it's in its the latter stages of its window. I would not be surprised to see them make an acquisition at the trade deadline, even if things are going okay. well. Kind of like the Rams a couple years ago with Von Miller. Yeah. Like they know this is a go-for-it year in San Francisco. Okay. I got McCaffrey last year, yeah. and what yeah. a difference it made. All right, much yeah. more football as we go. But the moment of the night came from baseball last night. Braves, Phillies, what a finish. In the air, out towards right center field. Harris going to go back. Harris back to the warning track. He leaps. Michael's got it! He's got it! They fired it in, and it rolls across the infield. Taken by Riley. He throws it in the back. They double him off. Ball game over. Braves win. I've never seen a play like that. Braves come 4-0 down. They wind up winning last night in that spectacular fashion. Here's Jeff Passan. Jeff answered the question that Graziano and I have been asking all morning long every time we run that highlight. Where is Bryce Harper going? Why is he where he is to get doubled off on that last play? Greedy, he just made a big mistake. In that situation, if you're Bryce Harper, you need to be straddling second base on the first base side of the bag because if Michael Harris doesn't catch that ball, at worst, you are at third base. In all likelihood, it's bouncing away and you're scoring. Bryce Harper going all the way around the bag and having his momentum. But then beyond that, the play Austin Riley made, Greeny, was positively Jeter-esque. He was not supposed to be there, but he came running up, fielding it cleanly, and firing a throw off to Matt Olson. It was brilliant execution by Austin Riley at the end. Now, sometimes you need a little magic like that in order to come back, which is what they did. How do we put into perspective the magnitude of that comeback win for Atlanta last night? I mean, it's enormous. They have to go into Citizens Bank Park, and they were going to be down to nothing. Um, You're not coming back from that. I'm sorry. But, you know, Austin Riley, it wasn't just the play at the end, Greeny. This home run, after a tough at-bat to complete this comeback, that looked like it simply wasn't happening is a season-saving swing for the Braves. And this is a team, remember, that won 104 games to the Phillies' 90s, 90 during the regular season. So this was a dominant team that was about to be down 2 nothing. Now we got a series, and if this one goes 5, it wouldn't surprise me one bit.
Now they go to Philly, and that ballpark sounds like an SEC football game whenever they play. So that'll be fascinating. In the meantime, the Dodgers, once again, another huge regular season, once again in serious jeopardy of a major postseason disappointment. They're down 2 nothing. What are their chances of staging a comeback against Arizona? Not great, Bob. I mean, it's really a grim situation for them right now. <laughs> they, here's the thing. When you have Clayton Kershaw going out and laying an egg in game one, and then Bobby Miller, a rookie, comes back in game two and, and can't get into the third inning. I mean, the, the Dodgers' bullpen did some yeoman's work these last couple of games, but they're looking at a situation where in game three in Arizona, they're probably going to start Lance Lynn, who almost gave up, I'm not exaggerating here, 50 home runs this season. And then you got to go back to Kershaw and back to Miller. Um, the way the Arizona Diamondbacks are playing right now and the fact that they have Merrill Kelly again and Zach Gallen, I mean, I'm not going to call this series a wrap because the Dodgers did win 100 games, right? Like, they had a fantastic season, but uh, they are in the most dire circumstances possible. I mean, they're by so far the better team in this series, and for them to get knocked out here once again, there's going to be a lot of questions. It feels like there are almost every year. Uh, Jeffrey, always a pleasure. Thank you. We will check in with you as we work our way through the baseball coming in hot and heavy. We go to the American League action today. Meanwhile, first take is coming up top of the hour here on ESPN. Jordan Love, is he the long-term answer for the Packers? Could the Cowboys move on from Dak? Molly, Stephen A., Shannon, and Jeff Saturday. Top of the hour. First take on ESPN. The NHL season returns with an opening night triple ladder. Hockey is back. How you feeling about your first game? Super excited. Pretty cool to face off against you. It's an opening night triple header on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. All right, so that's tonight. In the meantime, we have this. Uh, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones on his regular radio appearance saying, I completely believe we have the quarterback that can take us where we want to go. Dak Prescott is a quarterback that can get us to the Super Bowl. That's the way that's going to be. Quick reactions. Jeff. Totally agree. Jerry, speaking truth out there. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious that that's what they have to do. I don't know the, the choice of going somewhere else. It's not going to be as good. And I think Jerry's been around the league long enough to know it's really hard to find even someone yeah. mediocre, let alone someone good, which is Dak, and not to speak of people who are great like Mahomes and Allen and, and Jackson. The nice thing is we won't have to believe him. We'll find out when it comes time to decide how much they want to pay him. Yeah. Oh. I mean, the rest of this That's season. when we'll know. That isn't under debate. Uh, it's the offseason that'll get interesting. We'll see. That conversation is going to continue on First Take now. 